With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What players are standing out in spring practice? What are we thinking about what we're going to be taking a look at in the blue-white game? All that today on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate Bauer, senior editor, joining me as we prepare you for Saturday. Nate, how are you doing today? I am great. It is not snowing in State College today. The sun is out, and I think, I think, fingers crossed, we'll be outside at practice uh, later this afternoon. So yeah. it should be great. I'll be getting my steps in running from the offensive line to the defensive line to the quarterbacks, to the running backs, the receivers. I'm looking forward to it. I always like getting a good sweat on. Sure. You got 15 <laughs> minutes to go absolutely <laughs> berserk. And yeah. then when they ask you, when they ask you, hey, what did you see? You get to say nothing. Nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a lot of running. Uh, but the most important thing, I'm starting with this each day on the BWI Daily Edition. Here's the most, most important thing about what you should look for on Saturday. Uh, updated go. forecast in the lower 60s now on Saturday. A chance of a morning shower that's been downgraded a little bit. The feels like is 62 if you're going to be in the shade, about 61 degrees uh, with a high getting up, like I said, around 64, 65 degrees. So Friday should be a nice day as well, partly cloudy both days. Because, Nate, it's it's Happy Valley. It's going to be a little bit cloudy. Are you shocked by that? Dude, this this graphic is amazing. Are you you're moonlighting as a weatherman? I like it. I'm do I'm going all out with this stuff. Once I figure out how to do something, it's like, why not? Yeah, I am. Oh I we're, we're this week. We're moonlighting as a weatherman uh, to give you the up to date information <laughs> about what you need to bring for tailgating. So maybe not an umbrella. But you might want to dress in layers. That's yeah, that's what but not we're a no parka. Yeah, no just parka. a light windbreaker. Sure, I'm in. I'm gonna be there no matter what. Snow, rain, wind, sleet. I don't care. Yeah, I'm ready to watch football or some approximation of football in Beaver Stadium for one day and then not do it again for four months. So let's take advantage. There will be highly trained athletes wearing pads running around and helmets on, on a football field. That we can guarantee. What form Correct. that takes, we'll see. Uh, but we did talk to some of those highly trained athletes this week on Zoom calls uh, before, because it's game week, we're getting access to, to, co to players and coaches via Zoom. Uh, so we get to talk to Daquan Hardy and Nick Tarburton yesterday. And I wanted to get you on the show here because you and I were, were discussing some of these things off air. And I thought it was an interesting conversation to have about those players. So we're going to start with Daquan Hardy. What stood out to you about what he said and kind of his position on the team? Because I think he's a very interesting yeah. player this year. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's get right to it, right? The meat. Yeah. And it, and I don't know that everyone else maybe picked up on it, but it's something that I heard at one point this spring 
um, somebody else say, right? And have been kind of keeping an ear out for it since, which is the notion that he would play more than the slot corner, right? That he would be more than just a nickel uh, on this defense this year with Manny Diaz. And I, I don't know if you asked the question, I think that you did, but he, he said something to the effect of wanting to branch out. Yep. Right. He yep. playing safety, playing wide corner. Like I, I, my guess is that certainly he, he wants that. Right. But also yeah. that Penn state sees a value in him, given some of the things that have been said about him by Terry Smith, right. The corners coach. Yep. Um, and at other points this season, they, they just Penn state really thinks highly of him. I think that he's a guy who doesn't necessarily get a ton of pub, but it, it, he's absolutely going to be integral to what they do defensively this season. Well, let's take a listen to what he said when asked, uh, you know, how he wants his role to grow in the defense. Um, I just, you know, I just want to be almost more, I call it versatile, you know, just not pinpoint on my position, but to help other guys out and even to play in other spots like safety or corner and so forth. And, and it's, an, it's, it's an interesting situation where he is an excellent nickel corner. But being an excellent nickel corner, Nate, is a very specific role. Uh, I think about what we go back to John Reed would would slot in at that nickel corner, but he was he was a starter. So he was on the field more. And last season, despite how important he was, only 314 snaps total. So if you're that third down specialist, you're that man coverage specialist, it is a very narrow role and wanting to branch out and play other positions is uh, is a natural thing for a guy who I think you and I talked about this. He might be the second best corner on the team at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Terry Smith said that he is certainly one of the best defensive backs on the team. Yeah. Right. And I mean, so he's including him with the safeties there. Um, you know, I, I just he's got experience. James Franklin has been effusive in his praise, uh, you know, kind of his maturity, yep. um, what he what he brings to the field. And and really, I think a skill set that, uh, again, I mean, I, I hate to use this like underdog that could kind of deal, but he's small. He's, he's <laughs> small for this level. Yeah. Um, he's small for this level. But what Terry Smith said in that podcast appearance, and I think that you're you're seeing more and more of in terms of how he's discussed is he makes up for it with other elite qualities yep. and those other elite qualities, as you have pointed out, are fast feet, right? Yep. Uh, he, he's just, he's fast, he's fast and he's got an instinct for the ball. So um, fast you know, in every those... direction. And that's kind of what he said without saying it here when asked what his best skills were. And this is something that Manny Diaz echoed earlier in uh, the spring. So I would say my best, skill would probably be what Manny said, my feet. And one of my best assets with the feet is also my speed. So, you know, sometimes you don't step the right way or step the proper leverage or whatever. You've got I have the speed to make up for those those mistakes. And I would say I'm trying to just work on just staying on top of receivers and being better at the line of scrimmage when they get off the ball. And and it's always orbiting around size with Hardy. And and you know it's not come out and said exactly you know that that's really what's keeping him from playing that boundary position but when asked to describe what a boundary corner does I thought it was very interesting two or three of the things that he said that bring up I think the problem 
to be a, a good boundary corner, first things first, you got to be able to tackle running backs. And, you know, you got to be able to cover the big tight ends. And then you also got to be able to just, uh, just cover period. Like, you know, the, the boundary corners are more likely where the best receiver is going to be. So you want to be one of the, the top cover guys on your squad. So one of those things, one of the top cover guys on your squad nails that. But the first or second thing that he mentioned is tackling running backs and covering tight ends at times. Because what happens is in certain formations, say you have three receivers on one side of the field and the tight end on the other. Um, and if you're in a man defense and they come out in that formation, you have the outside receiver, which is usually in that situation is the tight end. And at five, nine against a six, five player, that's the challenge you need to, that you have when you are a corner. And, uh, and that's, I think the biggest concern when it comes to playing him anywhere other than the slot, even though in the slot, you can still face a tight end, which is kind of, I think makes it all kind of a moot point because you need size is going to be exposed. Somebody's going to find a way to expose it if they can. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that there's a second piece to this equation as well, which is what, what are, what are Penn state's needs, right? Mm-hmm. Positionally and personnel wise. And I, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems to me like corner is probably one of the strongest units that they have, not just on the defense, but on the team. Yeah, right? so strong, but um, not deep. That seems right. to be the situation. Uh, and, and just right. from scholarship numbers, not even from uh, from talent perspective, because there's a lot of talent even in the depth. But literally, I think you can count to four in scholarship numbers. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's just that the guys who you're talking about there are all guys with right cachet like, yep. like Joey Porter yep. Jr. We're talking about him maybe going early to the NFL. Him deciding to come back to Penn State was a big win for Penn State, right? Like that yep. was a big storyline. Are you taking him off the field so that so that they Daquan Hardy can can um you know expand his reps? Are you taking Johnny Dixon off the field? Are you taking Kalen King off the field? Um, you know, and, and Marquise Wilson is the last piece of this puzzle that we still yep. don't really have an answer for, right? That's, is, that's the where, wild where card he, right there. Where does he fit in this equation? Um, you know, I, it's, there, there's, there are a lot of players there again, like you're not talking about 10 cornerbacks necessarily that you're, you're having to sift through it's five or six, but five or six can all play. Or yeah. at least that seems to be the appearance is that all five can play. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a challenge for them to kind of divvy up those reps and, and make sure that they've got the right guys on the field for the right times. The what he said about wanting to even play safety, I think, is interesting because you can in Manny Diaz's scheme, it seems to me there is it definitely favors the secondary a little bit more. I think that's an understatement. But does it favor the versatility of the secondary of a guy like uh, Hardy who has the speed to cover in a lot of different ways. Like if you, he reportedly runs like a four, three, something like that. I mean, he's obviously fast. So if you play him at free safety and you want to play him as a sideline to sideline guy chasing down uh, the pass in certain defenses where maybe you're going a little heavy up front or something like that. If you want to play a, you know, the, is the creativity there to play him in different positions because that slot role, that star position seems to me to be a very 
open-ended question because we've focused a lot on Jonathan Sutherland and his transition to linebacker. But who's behind him? What's the situation behind him? Is it another safety behind him? Is it Jamari Budden? Is it going to be Jonathan Sutherland? And then if it's not Sutherland, it's a different position filling that role of that field side defender. And that's an opportunity for Hardy, who, if he wants to play safety in more positional situations, that's kind of where I think the role fits. Because last season, this is another thing I was tracking throughout the season, he has 58 run snaps last year. That's not a lot. (laughs) That is very few snaps against the run. And whether that's just his position and the way their defense worked, or if that was a signal from the Penn State staff that didn't think he was big enough and strong enough to play the run... That's one of the limiting factors of Hardy being on the field more, despite what I think we all see is considerable talent covering uh, receivers. We've talked about this before, but it seems to me like there's this balance between finding players who are elite at what they do, right, versus having as many, and this is what they always want, right? You want as many players as you possibly can have who can do it all, right? Like do right. it all at a very, very high level. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes that's not how your personnel shapes up. And so I, you know, it seems to me as though defensively they have a lot of these situations or a decent amount of these situations where you have particular players who might specialize in something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Zaki Wheatley is, we've, we've talked about him throughout the spring. He was talked about last fall as a guy who has a nose for the ball, right? Like he, he is a, yesterday, Nick Tarburton said he was a ball hawk. Mm. Uh, and in fact said that he is leading the team in interceptions. This, You're spoiling all my clips. I've got all of them here for and, you. <laughs> you I, fountain of quotes. Gun? You jumped, you jumped I... two or three guns. <laughs> oh, you just sorry. have all the information wanted... up there. It's, it's, it's impressive. I just wanted to make a point. I wanted to make a point though, which is only that look, they're going to, they're going to, there are going to be situations and opportunities for some of these guys to get on the field that, that makes sense. And with Hardy, it's, I, I don't know. It just, it's curious to me to consider him as a 700 snap player, because I don't yeah. know that that's the case, right? Because uh, traditionally, as you've seen at Penn state, the the corners are typically the two starting corners are typically the two highest rep getters on the yeah. defense. Yeah. It depends on the situation in the year where if they've got young guys they want to work in, they will do that. But um that bench has shortened considerably over the years where if they had like with Kalen King, as the season went on, he got more time. But very early in the season, yeah, it was Joey Porter Jr. and uh, it was it was Tariq Castro Fields. Even Johnny Dixon did not get a lot of time when it came to uh, subbing in. Now, does that change right. this year? That's the biggest question is, with that depth we discussed, does that change? And does, does Terry Smith or James Franklin want to get more guys on the field where they feel like they can play at a higher level with more rest? Now, guys and, like Joey Porter Jr. probably shouldn't come off the field for any reason, but then it becomes that sophomore corner over on the other side. Is he going to take that step and eat up all those reps? 
and Manny Diaz. And he, right, right. Like, we, right. like that's the wild card is James Franklin and Terry Smith are, are the consistent pieces to this element. Uh, the wild card is Manny Diaz. What does he like to do? What, what yeah. does he, what does he want? Um, you know, in terms of freshness, like legs, all, all, all those things that factor in, um, you know, how do you balance that with your flat out best players, right? Like finding your best two and going with them as your primary players. Is that what Manny Diaz wants to do? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be interesting to, I'd be interested to see, Daquan Hardy in more situations where he has to defend that bubble screen game because really that's a that's a big part of what that Sam linebacker is doing is you're blowing up all the screens you're counting for those numbers on the outside and I'll say this again I've said if you've watched this show enough you're probably tired of hearing this you don't have to be big but you have to play big and Hardy talked about a chip on his shoulder because of the obvious shortcomings in his game of course you know from a guy like my size he's not the biggest and not the the strongest or you know whatever the circumstances may be you got to carry that chip on your shoulder every day and just day out just knowing that there's a lot of other places who overlook you and you know you just got to overcome those those uh those setbacks and just make the best of what you can it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So that's one thing I'm going to be looking for. On Saturday is, you know, that slot position. We're not going to get a full game situation to see those things, but he's 180 pounds now. He's gotten bigger throughout his time at Penn State. Is he up to the size now that he can play with physicality in bump and run situations with boundary receivers or blow up screens? Because here's the other thing is like a lot of receivers that are throwing those screens. They're not interested in blocking. Like, you can win by just being meaner than they are when it comes to blowing up bubble screens in college football. Yeah. So, yeah. we can, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that rolls. Do you want to move on to Nick Tarburton? I'm ready. So, we talked to Nick Tarburton as well yesterday. And uh, just, you know, for uh, for clarity's sake, I was not on the call uh, to to get any of the insight, but you were. So what was your takeaway from Nick Tarburton's um, message and conversation with the media yesterday? Yeah, I, I thought that, so two things. One was he, he had the opportunity to talk about the defense as a whole, right? Just yeah. progress that they've made, things that they're doing, things that they wanted to focus on this spring. And then also he, he had the occasion uh, based on specific questions that were asked of him to talk about individual players, right? Uh, and that includes the offensive line. It includes yep. running backs. It inc like, I mean, pretty much. Let's start with the offensive the line. Because what he said about okay. Olaf Ashanu, I thought was interesting. Another guy that we've seen bits and pieces of, but he was pretty effusive in uh, what he had to say about Fashanu, which, by the way, I did not get as a clip. So if you want to go full on and and uh, give yeah. us what he said, this is a perfect opportunity to let your talent shine. Oh, my goodness. Well, now I've got to find it. Hang on <laughs> one second. Well, first of all, he talked about uh, Devon Ellis as yeah. 
uh, having a play that stood out and blew up, um, you know, I think it was a run. I'm not really sure. He yeah, it was a run. Blew up a play in the backfield. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, but, but the reason that that was notable to him that he added as a caveat was because the offensive line has played so well in yeah. his mind. Uh, the offensive line has played well. The running backs have played well. However, what he said about Olu, quote, Olu is extremely impressive, especially I think this spring. His hands are really quick and really strong. He's a really strong guy. Run game, pass game. You don't want to run right down the middle of that dude. He will just eat you up. Uh, and then he also he, he went on. He talked about yep. Caden Wallace as being impressive. He talked about Juice Scruggs as impressive. And the offensive line as a whole as having made progress. I mean, look, like we, we find ourselves in this position. It feels like a yearly exercise, but there, there are reasons to believe that the development that they've had, even with the limited numbers that they've had yeah. on the offensive line this spring, that progress is being made. Is it, is it all world Alabama, you know, Ohio state offensive line? Maybe not. Yeah. Right. But better than last year. Yeah, I think that there's some reason to believe that they can be and that they will be. And there's always the newness element, right? You've got new players up front, which are new evaluations for me. And also the hope that we that we that that fans attach themselves to each year of Olafishanu has not played left tackle for Penn State. So there's the opportunity for improvement. There's an opportunity yep. for him to be better than Rashid Walker. There's also the opportunity to not be as good as Rashid Walker, but it does yeah. not seem like that's been the case so far. Like that's where you have the physical talent. You have all the words that we've heard over the last 18 months of him being on campus and last season, hearing all these great things about him. It does feel more encouraging and a little more real than some of the other times where it felt a little bit like, Here's what we want to be true, so we're going to say it and manifest that because you have to believe in yourself to be good. Yeah, I, I always end up back in the same place, which is when 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 we right, and I'm speaking generally, look yeah. at left tackle or or whatever anywhere on the offensive line. My my question is, you know, if if they lose one rep or two reps a game. Okay. And the quarterback is able to escape pressure or the running back hits a hole that isn't the intended right gap, right? Like it, it hides those sins. It, 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 right? Like they might play an otherwise outstanding game or pretty good game. But if you've got a quarterback who's immobile and gets hit on the blind side and gives up a sack fumble and return for a touchdown, you're going to walk away from that game thinking that the left tackle stinks. Yeah. Right. Whereas yeah. or with, receivers with get so open that the quarterback can't miss them and the ball is out immediately. Right. So, so, but with Olu Fashanu, it's like, Hey, th these guys who are repping against him every day, like a Nick Tarburton for, for him to come through and say, yeah, like this guy has been really impressive this spring. I, I think that is what it is. Like, it's, I yeah. don't think that it's hot air is what I'm saying. Like, I, th yeah. I think that there's actually something to that that says, hey, you're going to get good reps out of this guy overwhelmingly, yeah. right? How that plays out in an actual game is something that's to be determined. 
But for the most part, there's reason, again, to believe that he's making strides there. And you made a good point about it, a running back that can find a gap, make a play, and just help everyone look better. But Nick what Singleton, a transition. That was uh, pretty impressive. It was, I think it was like a simple inside zone, outside zone. You know, he, he uh, pressed the line hard, saw, saw a hole, saw something. And, I mean, cut it back for an 80-yard touchdown. I mean, got up to full speed. Like, it was it was impressive. Um, him, uh, I think Katron, you know, um, obviously Kevon and Devin, you know, I mean, the room's stacked. It's It's been cool to kind of see them um, work this, this spring, too. They're, they're impressive. So, Nick Singleton continues his uh, run this spring of 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 good run and good publicity so another thing everyone's going to be interested in on on saturday but again where there's where there's smoke there's fire right nate yeah I, well i just <laughs> the thing that's striking about that to me is and for those who are listening you can't actually see the expression on tarburton's face but he looks like a guy who just lost a hand right like of poker on the river like the fifth card comes out and it's just like man like I don't, I don't know what he saw. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> he just, he ran away and there 80 yards later, it's a touchdown. And like, it's a good thing. Yeah. Right. But um, I, I just, that has been the sense this spring is more and more and more of these guys are all kind of saying the same thing. And it's this balance between going over the top and making him a star. I mean, look, he's a Gatorade national player of the year like there, there's a reason nick singleton was the number one running back in the class of 2022 yeah but when you get to see that in action and you get to see that in person and again like the distinction is that they haven't seen it before right yeah. like nick nick tarburton hasn't seen that while he's been at penn state yeah and so to, to see that up close and see that burst when a kid hits the hole and you think that you're there and I mean, we're talking about fractions of seconds yep. when you think that you're there and can make a tackle. And then all of a sudden you look up and he's 20 yards downfield. That's, that's eye opening. And, and the speed to break tackles, not just break angles, but because Penn State has had some level of speed every once in a while, but it's the ability then when you have that speed to do something with it. And that's, what's really dangerous about Nick Singleton is that even if you get a, He's he's fast enough. You're not going to get a clean shot on him. And if you only get an arm, it's not enough. And that is really the dangerous part about great running backs is they do both. Um, yep. And 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 that's a what we've been talking about. I think all off season is a solution for the problems up front is for everything else to be better. You don't need to have five elite offensive linemen and to run the ball 37 times a game. You need to hit one for 80 and take some of the pressure off the offense and then give the defense a lead and have the opportunity to get explosive plays in more than just one way, which changes the way the defense plays your passing game, so on and so forth. Um, yep. So, so it it's I think for Penn State fans, it should be encouraging that they've got that in the backfield. Um, talked about a couple other young players as well. Do you want to go defensive line and get into all of that, or do you want to go with Zaki Wheatley? 
Oh boy, let's let's do the defensive line. I already okay. spoiled the fun with Wheatley. We we know what's coming there. Let's let's do the line. Okay, so uh, he was asked a lot about how he's getting better as a player, but Smith Vilbert, what he sees from him, uh, is an interesting one because this is a very, I think, a very underrated, important player considering what's going on at the defensive end position. You know, he's becoming a lot more um, twitchy on edge. You know, he's he's got some good moves that he's been working this uh, this spring. And he's also been pretty physical in the run game. And, uh, you know, I'm excited just to you know play with him again. It's been, like I said, it's been it's been fun. So I'm surprised nobody asked about Zariah Fisher, given that Nick Tarburton is a dude that uh, also converted from linebacker and also missed a large portion of time with an injury. Uh, but that yeah. factors into this conversation of no Zariah Fisher. Nick Tarburton now has to provide the pass rush outside of the guys that are coming in later in the season. Or Smith Vilbert takes a step forward as well. Um, I, I don't know how to view that particular situation with Smith Vilbert, truthfully. Yeah, I, I, look, I think I think it is the same story that it was last year during the bowl game and this winter, which is consistency. That's that's what they're asking for there. And yeah. I think again, like. Now, granted, there are some occasions and some players who can't for whatever reason bring it in practice they, they cannot do it constantly yeah but they show up in games and that's like a thing that happens to them but overwhelmingly in my time doing this i think you can probably attest to the same coaches coaches have a hesitation to going to guys like that yeah because they, even if you even if they bring it even if they're gamers quote unquote right i mean and we're talking are we seeing serious. Are we saying that Smith Vilbert is a gamer in this situation? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if, okay. he's, if he's a if he's a guy who, I mean, three sacks, right? In one game. One, one of them was he was escorting the quarterback out of bounds who was willingly running out to end a play. So Okay, two sacks. Two sacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the quality of those sacks. And that's, so that's, that's part of the, uh, I think that's part of the balancing act for James Franklin is like you want to promote the fact that he had a player that had three sacks in the game, but then you yep. want to be like, okay, here's the real thing is that he needs to be more consistent. I don't think effort's the problem. I think his ability to bend the corner is the problem. So that's when when I say I don't really know what to do with this Smith-Vilbert information is I'm sure Nick Tarburton wants to say something positive about his teammate, but he's just kind of stiff. Like the longer I watched him, the more upright and stiff he looked and... He's got to change a, a big fundamental about his game to be an impact player, which is why I think I've been lower on him than a lot of people who saw those three sacks or see that box score and say, that's the turning point. So yeah. if he's twitchier and he finds a different way to win and he can still play with his profile, then I think that's great. But really, I think it's more on Tarburton to take a step forward as a pass rusher because I can see him winning with power and his hands, which is something he talked about uh, the other day as well. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think the biggest thing is just uh, continuing to, uh, you know, work. Um, obviously, I feel like I'm pretty established in the run game, but uh, just continuing to work, uh, you know, different moves and, you know, different techniques in the pass game. And I think spring is, you know, the best time to do that, just to be able to, you know, obviously hone in techniques, but also be able to, you know, work different things as well. So uh, from that aspect, I'm trying to improve and then just take that into the summer and then into camp as well. Speaking of looks like, uh, he does look like he plays a lot of poker at 2 a.m. at the casino. If he had like a uh, a really dangly uh, earring with that mohawk and maybe some shades, 
can absolutely see that being his personality. He's a he's a bold hair guy. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I tried that one time. It did not work. It did not work for me. So the, the defensive end situation, the defensive line situation, um, I know that there are Denine Dennis Sutton, Damian Robinson coming in and, and, and being a part of that picture, but that's a redshirt freshman transfer, or I should say a, a sophomore transfer. He played in all 13 games last year in Damian Robinson and a true freshman. So is that enough? And what do you need from Nick Tarburton in this situation? Well, look, I, one, that's why Robinson is coming to Penn State is yeah. to do that. Right. Uh, the second thing that is just I, I cannot pound the drum enough is Adisa Isaac has to deliver. Yep. He, he he is the splash play guy. Like that's that's the answer. Is yep. That's what he does. Um, you know, or or and this is something that that happens is maybe you don't have it. Right. Like yeah. If if those if those two guys can't bring that element, uh, if deny Dennis Sutton can't bring that element then what are you going to do? I mean, you, at Blitz. some point, you have, you have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's, it's, it's just, it's, it's this constant balancing act of figuring out what you do well, um, what you can't do. And if those guys can't bring it, then that's, you're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to move on. Yeah. And I think Nick was very self-aware in that situation of like, I, I know I'm a good run defender. I know I can do those things. The, the problem is, Teams throw on first down like you do have teams that will throw play action or just straight up drop back on first down and you can't have those be empty pass rushes. So even in the situation where Penn State might have a great third down package, they need to be able to put pressure on the quarterback and Isaac's going to be out there as the starting defensive end. That's clear. But then who's the other base package player that can put heat on the quarterback? And and that's going to be like that depth and role, you know, role players. We, we talk about Hardy and his role, but Tarburton has to bring something there. You you thought, again, with the upside and the unknown of Zariah Fisher, maybe he had more to give there. Maybe he had some other sort of skill and had taken that step. But now you don't know. And it's back to the guy that we have more information on who needs to now evolve. And I guess that's why I thought that was really important for Tarburton is even if Smith Vilber comes in, I, he's going to be spelling Adisa Isaac, I think. So Tarburton is the guy that needs to take that step as as some sort of threat as a pass rusher. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, you know, I think that there's some question with Zane Durant as to whether or not there can be some of that that flashes out, out of your tackle positions. Yeah. And then oh, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just the, the defensive end situation uh I'm not saying anything that's not been acknowledged right from the program itself, which is, yeah, it's a concern. <laughs> like it's a, it's a healthy concern though, because there is optimism yeah. about what Adisa Isaac's going to do. If Ad- if Adisa Isaac is the guy who they thought he was in 2020, which was a guy who let's be honest, like almost that, well, I'm not going to relive this for, for, for fans who are listening, but like he could have changed the game in that Indiana game. Had he not been called for whatever it was, a face mask that was a phantom call. Like he, he made plays. He made splash plays in limited opportunities behind Jason Owe. So like there, there are, there are plenty of reasons to believe even coming off of an injury that Adisa Isaac is the, the real deal and that he's yeah. going to be able to do uh, to fulfill that role 
on what this defense wants to do. Uh, any other football thoughts? What are you thinking about? What are you writing about this week? Um, so yesterday, uh, Tuesday, James Franklin did a 15 minute interview with the BTN. That was actually really good. <laughs> and I don't know how many people saw it, but I'm going to uh, take a few things away from it, which includes uh, what to expect from the blue white game, which is probably, you know, something approximating football, but not football, like not a, not a game. Just, yeah. you know, cause just their numbers are limited and enhanced um, scrimmage. An enhanced scrimmage, maybe an enhanced scrimmage, but with what he said, priority number one being to stay healthy. Yeah. So I thought that that was very important. And then I thought he talked about the quarterbacks. He talked, you know, he talked about Sean Clifford, uh, believing that Clifford has the opportunity to have a good year this season, the positive influence and the feedback. Interesting point that he got from the parents of Drew Alar and Bo Pabula last weekend after Penn State's scrimmage mm-hmm. that that Clifford's influence has been of benefit to everyone yeah. in the room. Right? I've like, noticed I, that too. I've noticed that as well. And I know that I, I came on here, I think it was Friday, thir- our Thursday conversation, and I was kind of downplaying the idea that he wasn't talking about getting better himself, but he is absolutely a positive role model influence for these guys. And it's it's obvious even if you aren't there on a regular basis. No, if you if you if you want a a coach's dream blueprint of how to do the work, I'm not saying blueprint of guy <laughs> the who can output. right like can change the game and be the best guy ever. Like you know, yeah. I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but um, Sean Clifford's work ethic has never, ever, 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 ever been in question. His dedication to learning the game, his dedication to studying, uh, his interaction with coaches, like all of those things have been there for him. And that sets a positive example, sets a culture for those other quarterbacks to learn from and grow from, which it, it's, it's there, there will only be positive benefit from that. So, yeah, no, it's it's uh, we're, we're winding up or winding down, I should say, on spring practice and. Uh, we'll go out here with a bang. Yeah, we're winding up to the game, and then we're winding down after that. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by yep. the way, I should mention this, um, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning. First off, all the usual stuff, subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com so you can read Nate's article and his thoughts on what he heard from James Franklin. Sign up for just $1, get 12 months of access. Check that one off the list. Get ready because spring football, you want all this stuff next year too. That's the thing. 12 months means you're getting into 2023, pretty deep into 2023. Also, uh, subscribe here to YouTube. So you don't miss anything coming up this weekend because we are going to be doing a bunch of stuff during, after, and after, after the blue-white game. We're going to be doing a uh, post-game show on Sunday night to break down everything that we saw, give our thoughts on everything there. And, of course, we'll have our live reactions from Beaver Stadium during blue-white afterwards from the field. So I'll be there for the first time in a long time. I'm very excited. We'll be giving you coverage wall-to-wall all weekend from Blue White Illustrated. Super exciting. Yeah, you you will not be able to keep up. So, yeah. Not you. <laughs> oh fan. no, I I thought won- I thought you meant me and I'm like that there's there's a reality there. Maybe I won't be able to. <laughs> 
It's okay. It's okay. Golf is on the other side of this. Let's look forward to the future. Golf. Yes, very much so. You don't care about golf? <laughs> Nate, you that know my, my you know my thoughts on golf. I'll go golfing with you, but I don't think you want to go golfing with me. Uh, so that does it for the PWI Daily Edition. We can't get into that because I hit the outro music and we got we don't have another 10 minutes, Nate. I'm sorry. Uh, but make sure you stick around because Nate's coming back tomorrow for our mailbag edition and our post-practice recap. Coming up tonight, we have uh, everything from practice as well. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We will talk to you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.